Okay, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us this week. Our guest is Corbin Page, Consensus and Pay Magic, and uh, a guy I know we're going to really enjoy spending time with. So, Corbin, rather than me doing it, please, if you would, introduce yourself. Where'd you grow up? How did you get into crypto? And what are you up to nowadays? Thanks so much, Jamie, and uh, super excited to be here today. Uh, so hi, everybody. I'm Corbin. I'm a, a longtime builder in the Web3 and crypto space. Um, way back in the day, I was uh, I, I grew up in North Carolina, uh, was an engineer at Duke University, uh, eventually found my way uh, doing software and other technology for a number of big Wall Street firms for, for a number of years. Uh, then in about uh, 2016, early 2017, I, I jumped over from the from the traditional uh, finance community, TradFi, into the the crypto community, and so it's really been a roller coaster of fun ever since. Uh, I joined Consensus way back then, right when uh, when right before the the 2017 uh, ICO craze. So I've seen the the crypto industry grow from a very very niche, tiny market with absolutely no use cases. All the way to where we are today with multiple sectors of DeFi and NFTs, DAOs, gaming. And so uh, it's been a fantastic ride. Built and launched some massive products along the way. Uh, my latest one is called PayMagic, which is a, a payment rails uh, focused on DAOs and supporting DAO contributors. So uh, yeah, excited to chat today about uh, some, some crazy marketplaces that can be built on top of Web3. Fantastic. Jamie Goldstein and his guest are not registered investment advisors. All opinions are Jamie's and his guests alone. Nothing discussed today is investment advice, and it should not be relied upon for investment decisions. So before we jump in, where do you think we are today with Web3 adoption? Like, Where are you seeing traction in the market? Is it ready for the mass market yet? Or, or you know, what, where do we stand? Yeah. And uh, keep in mind, I mean, I remember this uh, way back in the day where it was a very much a niche technology. You know, you had like uh, some of the, the you know, strong Bitcoin community. Uh, the Ethereum community was absolutely tiny, um, you know, all the way up to today where like crypto actually isn't even one sector at this point. Um, crypto has multiple different sectors that have massive use cases, massive companies, massive number of users. Um, I pretty much segment it between DeFi NFTs, this emerging sector of DAOs, and then gaming is getting big enough that it's its own kind of subsector. Um, I would actually say that some of the applications in the NFT and gaming space are getting to the point where we're verging on, on mainstream adoption. Um, they're much more accessible than things like DeFi or payments, which uh, you know is hard for some folks to kind of wrap their heads around. But everybody likes trading cards. Everybody likes digital collectibles. Um, it's very fun. It's very approachable. It has a lot of overlaps with like traditional social media like Instagram and Reddit. Um, so I think... Uh, NFTs and uh, kind of some of the gaming aspects are primed for mainstream adoption if you, if you don't think that it's already there. Right. When when people at the gym are telling me they're aping into various NFTs, that's when I know it's starting to become mainstream. That's right. That's right. So I've had this debate with a number of people about like, what does Web3 mean? Um, I'd love to hear your definition of Web3, but also, do you think all software in the future will be Web3, or do some things go to Web3 and others stay in whatever you call today's environment? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So, um, you know, first of all, Web3 at the very base level is, uh, I just call Web3 anything that's built on top of a blockchain, or, you know, some would say even like uh, 
like like a hash graph, right? Anything anything basically built on top of a blockchain or has that kind of cryptographic database on the back end, I call Web three. Yeah. Right. Um. You know, a lot of people call this the trust computer, right? So this is a new type of database that allows us to exchange trust between parties that may not trust themselves uh, traditionally over the internet. But you know, that's a harder mental model for me. So I just say anything that's built on top of blockchain. And so in terms of how this kind of goes mainstream, I like to look at past computing cycles for like corollaries of how this thing is going to mature over the year. If you look at everything back from uh, the personal computer to the rise of the early internet through kind of the the social web 2.0, mobile, and then now kind of where we are with web three, I think there are a lot of things that kind of rhyme with this ge these general cycles. Um, and I think one of the best kind of examples uh, for, for where we are today is, is in mobile, right? Um, you know, nobody was asking Google like, you know, 15 years ago, like, oh, do you think you'll be a mobile company one day? It's like, yeah, like, you know, you'll, you'll definitely be able to use our web services on mobile. Like, yeah, we'll probably launch some new products. It'll, you know, we'll be thinking about our products in a slightly different framework once, you know, mobile gets big. I think the same is very much true for Web3, right? I think all companies are going to adopt different aspects of, of Web3. Um, and there's the, the line between a Web3 company and a traditional tech company is just going to blur. Right. And I think every traditional company, as well as every startup, kind of needs to map out that strategy. And that's kind of what we're doing here today with uh, thinking about Uber from a Web3 perspective. Got it. Very good. So so companies might have certain product lines that embrace Web3, other product lines, other services that don't. Totally. Very Absolutely. awesome. OK. One of my favorite conversations is uh, Uber on the blockchain or a Web3 version of Uber. And so my first question for you is. Should it be built? Is there a reason why a Web3 version of Uber should exist? Would it be better? Might it be worse? And, uh, and let's start with that. Yeah. So, um, like, I absolutely love the thought experiment. I think one of the, you know, I'm a, I'm a developer and a technologist at heart. I think one of the core philosophies there is, like, you can use almost any technology to achieve an outcome. It's just like, should you, right? Is really, really the question. Is that the best way to go about right. doing something? Um, in right. terms of Uber, so if I'm looking at it, you know, Uber is one of the seminal companies coming out of kind of the mobile computing cycle. Um, people develop trust to hop into each other's cars to, to hitch a ride. That was something that didn't really exist before. Um, similar with Airbnb, right? These are the seminal companies right. coming out of the, the mobile cycle. Um, I love the fact that it's a marketplace. Marketplaces lend themselves to the Web3 space really, really um, effectively because right. Web3 allows for easy transactions of value. So I love that aspect. Um, the thing that I'm less sure about is um, Uber is very much uh, grounded in the real world, right? Um, it's one person getting into another person's car. Um, a lot of interaction in meat space, as they call it, right? <laughs> so uh, a lot of times where Web3 and crypto thrives is where the use case is staying, you know, purely in the digital realm or purely even in the on-chain realm, right? Where you can have a lot of those trust guarantees. Um, the more and more you get farther away from the chain or the digital space, um, you know, humans become involved and humans are walking edge cases, right? Um, maybe the driver isn't who they say they are on the application, right? Or maybe yeah. they, they veer off the beaten path and take you, you know, the wrong route, right? Humans have all these types of errors that they uh, inject into these interactions. And Web3 likes to kind of stay um, within the, the smart contract, right? Like code is law. It's going to execute the yeah. same way every single time. 
time. And so maybe Uber makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, you know, love the marketplace aspect, but but don't love the uh, the physical world component to it as much. Yeah. Okay. Good. So um, let's talk about what some of the benefits of a Web three Uber might be over the existing traditional Uber. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, you know, when I when I look at Uber, it's it's a marketplace where you're connecting drivers, providing providing a service with riders that kind of need a service, right? In terms of Web three, we have lots of different kind of marketplace analogies that we can compare that to. Um, you know, some of the biggest applications like Uniswap or OpenSea, you know, have a marketplace where there are a bunch of sellers, there are a bunch of buyers, and it brings everybody together, um, so they're able to transact. Um, when we look at the benefits of Web three, then on an Uber context, I'd look at a couple different things. So um, the first one would just be like general uh, tokens that could be involved kind of within the, the different use case. So maybe every time that you transact, you get tipped with a token that represents some kind of value in the overall marketplace. That might be an incentive for users to use that service. The startup in general might think of that in terms of some kind of like customer acquisition cost that they're subsidizing to kind of help grow and kind of scale really, really easily. And anytime that there's a token in play, you can get into all types of tokenomics about different types of uh, user behavior that you can kind of encode in to encourage certain types of behavior. So a yep. token is definitely one aspect. Yeah. Another aspect would just be uh, some of the, the data that kind of underlies uh, the marketplace. So um, let's take, for example, um, the data about the, the driver. It's like, is the driver like a one-star driver or are they, are they a five-star driver, right? Um, today, are there any one-star drivers? I hope not. I really hope not. I'm pretty sure I might, might have gotten one at some point in New York. But yeah. uh, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think like web, a big component of Web3 is that the data is transferable with the account or with the user, right? right? And so like, if I'm going and using one web service over here or one financial service over here, I can kind of take my tokens, I can take my transaction history and I can go use them on another service just like that. It's super, super portable. Um, and then, you know, Web2 world, you're mostly locked into a particular pl platform. So in the Uber case, I think an example would be if you have a Lyft driver that has a five-star rating, you know, they have years and years of experience, they're, they're absolutely fantastic. If they can maybe bring that history with them and that high, you know, satisfaction score and move it over to Uber and automatically be an Uber top driver on day one, that's something that's very possible with Web3, which isn't really a tenant of, of Web2 today. Right. Um, and then the last one I would say is just uh, around transparency. So generally with Web3, uh, any, type of, uh, any type of execution, whether you're calculating the, the reputation or when you're calculating fares that the, the rider is going to have to pay to the driver, um, a lot of these calculations are completely transparent in, in Web3. Like you can go and see the calculation, see the source code. And so you're not really depending on like an Uber pricing algorithm that like exists in a black box somewhere. Um, you can kind of see that, you know, maybe make, your, make a smarter decision based on that. Um, or maybe go use a rival platform if you don't like the way they're pricing a certain behavior. Right, right. Let's double click on the token aspect for a minute. Do you think this is a single token? Is it the token that I use to pay the driver? Yeah. Or do I pay the driver in cash and there's some other token that's a loyalty? And, and how might people think about uh, the value of that token or that token ecosystem? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, 
you know, at, at its very basic, we already kind of have tokens today, right? In a given application, you may get credits um, for, let's say, signing up your friends or for a certain amount of usage. And that may, let's say, subsidize your subscription bill at the end of the month. And that's fantastic, right? It's a very kind of like basic use case of where you could kind of slot a token in. Um, again, for these things like, like customer referrals, um, a lot of startups think of that as kind of a classic uh, customer acquisition cost that they can forecast into their models as they're, they're looking at their different growth assumptions. What I think is interesting about Web3 specifically is that you can take those types of incentives and you can kind of take them to the absolute max, right? So let's say we have Uber token. Let's say that, you know, every time somebody rides in an Uber or provides a ride, they get dropped a little bit of token. Number one, they have upside to the overall value of the platform, right? They're not just getting paid for the service. They're getting paid in an asset that's going to go up in value as the the network grows, right? It's almost like getting dropped an Uber share in the early days and being able to ride the growth of the company. Maybe, and, and, it's, but why? Why would it go up? Why? Why? It would be lovely if it goes up, but what is yeah. the dynamic that would make it go up over time? Yeah. So generally, tokens uh, are are considered utility tokens, and so they can have different types of use cases that will appreciate in value as the strength of the network increases. So for instance, you could say every single transaction, there's like the tiniest bit of a fee that's going to go back to all token holders at the end of the day, right? And so yeah. you as a Uber token holder, you might earn the, the slightest bit of a fee on every single ride. And so if you get in there early and you know, you're, you're earning all these tokens and then Uber goes international and the, you know, the amount of, rise, uh, the amount of uh, rides jumps uh, a thousand fold, that's something that you could kind of appreciate and value in. Um, now, a lot of these token systems, too, um, you know, there's not just a, a strictly a monetary aspect, like maybe there's a governance aspect, like maybe I get to vote on um, certain dynamics of the, the, the Uber system, right? So like, right. what if I could vote? What if I could say, so I live in North Carolina, and you know, there's not as many Ubers as let's say in like, you know, New York or San Francisco. What if I could vote that, hey, I want incentives for the network to be in North Carolina for the next three months to attract more drivers and get them on yeah. board. Right. Yeah. Those are the types of decisions that platforms could actually kind of outsource to some of their token holders um, rather than making all the decisions in house. So um, there are a lot of different types of benefits that you can kind of uh, accrue as a token holder. But I, I do want to go back to, to one point on, you know, do you use this token as a as a means of payment? You certainly yep. could. Yeah. But I'm not sure there have been a lot of like tokens in the Web3 space that have been considered payment tokens that haven't gotten as much traction because you can just use like a stable coin or you can just use like some kind of proxy for the US dollar um, to do those types of things. So a lot of people don't consider that as like a core use of a strong community token. Um, the last thing I'll say is um, we talked about using this token as kind of like a customer acquisition cost earlier. Because it's totally programmable, you can kind of start doing some some really interesting things. And I, I tend to look at even the uh, the frequent flyer kind of industry for some of these examples. Like what if you had streaks, right? So if you took an Uber every single day for seven days straight, for 14 days straight, for 30 days straight, maybe those incentives that you're earning for each one of those rides goes up. Right. You become an absolute you know, power user. You become a super user of the application. Um, so any of those types of like 
interesting types of user behavior that you want to encourage in the application. If you're dropping tokens to these users, you can a lot of people think that you can kind of program user behavior by tuning incentives to the outcomes that you're looking for. Very, very cool. Fascinating. Okay, so let's suspend disbelief for a moment and pretend that we've decided this is, this is something we want to build. Want to build Web3 version of Uber. How would you go about building it? Yeah, so um, I'll probably start getting a little a little deep on the strategy and a little bit uh, a, a little bit deep on, on the technicals here. So um, so so first of all, you know, you're you're you have a consumer behavior that's pretty widespread at this point. People understand what ride sharing is. Um, you know, I would want to make sure that you know you were building a product to test whether uh, your assumptions around whether Web three Uber is a good idea could be fleshed out pretty quickly. Yep. Um, in terms of Web3 Uber, uh, you know, when we, we were talking about this earlier, like you don't necessarily have to have an application that's completely on the max decentralization scale. Um, and so especially if I'm an early stage startup trying to get up and running, you can actually make some centralization trade-offs uh, to make sure that you're up and running quickly, right? This can be an iOS application that you push through their app store. Maybe you use AWS on the back end to make, you know, storing data, storing files, uh, data processing a lot easier, right? Maybe only your token or your token and, a, and maybe your pricing algorithm are the only two things that you actually do on the blockchain to kind of test if Web3 is needed for this yep. use case. Yep. Um, and so I tell teams all the time, like, like get something up and running quickly. Um, the Web3 tools for building a completely permissionless, unstoppable, you know, Uber application, soup to nuts, is just going to take a lot longer and you're right, going right. to miss out on all those customer repetitions. And so the biggest thing for, for Web3 starter, for Web3 entrepreneurs today is figure out what you need to do in a decentralized manner and then figure out, you know, the traditional software tools that have had, you know, decades of uh, time to mature and get so easy to use. And just use them. Get them up and yeah. running for your early users and, and it'll be okay. You can yep. decentralize over time. Yeah. And are there components here? I think that's good advice for any business. Get up get up as quickly as you can. Start learning from those customer reps. Are there pieces here that you think, even in the fullness of time, would not be decentralized, that not practical to run on a blockchain? So blockchains are getting pretty good. So blockchains are pretty good at, you know, the financial activity and like the property uh, rights activity today. Um, you know, file storage is kind of an up and coming use case. But if you've used uh, networks like Filecoin, Arweave, IPFS, um, generally you don't get the user experience that you'd like. Maybe the page loads a little bit longer. So that's still maturing to get up to like Amazon S3 standards. Right. Um, the last one is generally compute. So um, anytime I have like lots of data processing to do, that's the type of thing that is hard to do on chain in an efficient and costly manner. And so that's the type, that's probably one of the final frontiers that probably don't make sense to do on chain today. Now, for the folks that want to get into the weeds, um, there are, you know, ZK uh, technologies that are coming out. ZK. You know, yeah, so I won't get into zero, zero knowledge. Zero, zero knowledge. Um, I believe it's uh, ZK uh, Snarks or Starks that basically allow you to do off-chain computation 
generate a proof that you can put on chain that anybody can verify. So you've basically taken that off chain component and verified it on chain. But a lot of these are very much in their infancy. I'd still expect them to be three to five years out. Yeah, gotcha. So you think for the foreseeable future, there may be components that end up living in the centralized world. You, you said it's important to get this, uh, the token ownership, the maybe the transparency of the pricing algorithm, the data ownership, put that, take advantage of all the Web3, uh, you know, beauty there, but, but some of the centralized components. So for those pieces that remain centralized, do users care? Should users care? Who do they need to trust? Is, is this an issue? Yeah, so um, this is kind of an interesting one. Uh, you know, how decentralized does your app really need to be? Um, the corollary I like to give here is actually privacy in the Web2 world, um, where how private does your application need to be? The majority of the web today, you know, does not score high on kind of the the, the the privacy scorecard, right? And the majority of users don't care, right? My mom doesn't care, right? Like my family doesn't really care that much, right? They're, they're fine with exchanging their user data for a great user experience, right? In Web3, we think of this as, as decentralization, right? Like how much decentralization are you willing to give up based on who your target customers are? Um, if you're building for the really kind of like the crypto stalwarts, like crypto OGs or people that are doing like large trading volume, like entirely on crypto rails, they want really high decentralization guarantees, right? They right. want to be able to take up their data and go to another platform at an instant you know, notice, right? Like they want everything to be very, very easy to, to move away from. They don't want any intermediaries or any kind of weak points in the middle. If you're building, let's say, a game that's for a mass market audience, um, that's kind of the time where you can say, like, yeah, my, my users will accept uh, a decent amount of centralization in this use case as long as they get the user experience that they, they love and um, really want to have. So maybe it's just the, the token and a few core pieces that you put on chain using the Web3 stack. And, and then everything else can be a little bit more centralized because, you know, your users might not need it. Got it. Okay. So net it all out for us, scale of one to a hundred, how excited are you about someone building a web three version of Uber? Zero is like, don't even bother. And a hundred is no brainer. Yeah. So I would probably put it at maybe a 20. So, um, <laughs> so I think, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I love the Uber business model. I think it's, you know, one of the most transformable companies of the past 10 years. I do just think it was a better fit for that mobile computing cycle, yep. um, than you really are for, for web three, right? So if we were to, to alter the thought experiment and say, this is going to be Uber entirely in the metaverse. I don't even mm. know what that looks like, but maybe yeah. it's, you know, maybe it's black cars in Minecraft that then take you over to Roblox that then take you over to Decentraland. I don't know. Yeah. Sign but me yeah, up. There you go. There you go. So then you've removed a lot of kind of like the 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 real world components and you can do a lot like a lot closer to the chain, right? Maybe it's even a robot that's actually driving you around. It's not an actual human. Right. Maybe that pricing algorithm is even more important because there are a bunch of real time bids that you need to aggregate to find the right driver for the rider. Right. So, um, you know, I think I'd be, you know, maybe this is my next uh, startup pitch, but I'd be a lot more excited about an Uber for the metaverse, I think, yeah. than a Web3 Uber for the real world. Very cool. Awesome. OK, shifting gears. Last couple of questions. 
What is your favorite under the radar Web3 project? Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. Other than your own. Right, right. Check out paymagic.xyz. <laughs> but besides that, I'm actually getting really excited about identity lately. Um, I think identity is very much in kind of the early stages. Now that we have a whole bunch of users, you know, swapping NFTs, playing with DeFi, forming DAOs on chain, having, you know, a verifiable credentials that says like, hey, you know, this person is legit, you know, they have a long transaction activity, they pay back their loans. Those types of like identifiers for a specific address become much more important. So in that space, I would say uh, ceramic, uh, Sysmo, cred protocol, anybody that's thinking about like kind of the human component to a lot of these kind of web three systems, I'm, I'm really, really starting to get interested in. Fantastic. Last question. You're an aspiring entrepreneur. What space would you encourage them to explore? Yeah. So I would say, um, you know, crypto is big enough to have all of these multiple sectors at this point. Um, you know, I think if you go on crypto Twitter, everybody would be saying DAOs right now is kind of the yep. place. Um, but I like to be, uh, I, I like to go a little bit of a different direction. I would actually say, um, you know, I'm going to double down and I'm going to say gaming. Uh, some people think that gaming is overblown, but I think like because Web3 translates to kind of the metaverse and virtual world so easily, I think we've only scratched the surface on the type of things that we can do there. Um, and it's not even just as simple as, as uh, play to earn strategies. I think all types of like new incentives, new applications, introducing the younger generations to be able to do things within gaming environments that translate to real world value. I think that's going to be one of the big shifts over the next you know, 10 to 20 years. Fantastic. Corbin, always a pleasure to talk to you. Love hearing your perspective. Thanks so much for the time and good luck with Pay Magic. Thanks, Jamie. Take care. Take care. Bye bye.